30. In the midst of the family life, when a visitor entered, she would throw a paper or a piece of sewing over her work, and she modestly refused to be known as the author of novels which we now count among our treasured possessions. With the publisher she had little success. Pride and prejudice went begging, as we have said, for 16 years, and Northanger Abbey 1798 was sold for a trivial sum to a publisher, who laid it aside and forgot it, until the appearance and moderate success of Sense and Sensibility in 1811. Then, after keeping the manuscript some 15 years, he sold it back to the family, who found another publisher, an anonymous article in the Quarterly Review, following the appearance of Emma in 1815, full of generous appreciation of the charm of the new writer, was the beginning of Jane Austen's fame, and it is only within a few years that we have learned that the friendly and discerning critic was Walter Scott. He continued to be her admirer until her early death, but these two, the greatest writers of fiction in their age, were never brought together. Both were home-loving people, and Miss Austen especially was averse to publicity and popularity. She died, quietly as she had lived, at Winchester, in 1817 and was buried in the cathedral. She was a bright, attractive little woman, whose sunny qualities are unconsciously reflected in all her books. Works. Very few English writers ever had so narrow a field of work as Jane Austen, like the French novelists, whose success seems to lie in choosing the tiny field that they know best. Her works have an exquisite perfection that is lacking in most of our writers of fiction, with the exception of an occasional visit to the watering place of Bath. Her whole life was spent in small country parishes, whose simple country people became the characters of her novels. Her brothers were in the Navy, and so naval officers furnished the only exciting elements in her stories, but even these alleged heroes lay aside their imposing martial ways and act like themselves and other people. Such was her literary field, in which the chief duties were of the household, the chief pleasures in country gatherings, and the chief interests in matrimony, life with its mighty interests, its passions, ambitions, and tragic struggles, swept by like a great river, while the secluded interests of a country parish went round and round quietly, like an eddy behind a sheltering rock. We can easily understand, therefore, the limitations of Jane Austen, but within her own field she is unequaled. Her characters are absolutely true to life, and all her work has the perfection of a delicate miniature painting. The most widely read of her novels is Pride and Prejudice, but three others, Sense and Sensibility, Emma, and Mansfield Park, have slowly won their way to the front rank of fiction. From a literary viewpoint Northanger Abbey is perhaps the best, for in it we find that touch of humor and delicate satire with which this gentle little woman combated the grotesque popular novels of the Udolfo type. Reading any of these works, one is inclined to accept the hearty endorsement of Sir Walter Scott, that young lady has a talent for describing the involvements and feelings and characters of ordinary life which is to me the most wonderful I ever met with. The big bow-wow strain I can do myself, like any now going, but the exquisite touch which renders ordinary commonplace things and characters interesting from the truth of the description and the sentiment, is denied to me. What a penny such a gifted creature died so early. Walter Savage Landor 1775-1864 while Hazlitt, Lamb, D. Quincy, and other romantic critics went back to early English literature for their inspiration. Landor shows a reaction from the prevailing romanticism by his imitation of the ancient classic writers. His life was an extraordinary one and, like his work, 
abounded in sharp contrasts. On the one hand, there are his egoism, his uncontrollable anger, his perpetual lawsuits, and the last sad tragedy with his children, which suggests Kinlear and his daughters. On the other hand there is his steady devotion to the classics and to the cultivation of the deep wisdom of the ancients, which suggests Pindar and Cicero. In his works we find the wild extravagance of Geber, followed by the superb classic style and charm of Pericles and Aspasia. Such was Landor, a man of high ideals, perpetually at war with himself and the world. Life. Landor's stormy life covers the whole period from Wordsworth's childhood to the middle of the Victorian era. He was the son of a physician, and was born at Warwick, in 1775. From his mother he inherited a fortune, but it was soon scattered by large expenditures and law quarrels, and in his old age, refused help by his own children. Only Browning's generosity kept Landor from actual want, at Rugby, and at Oxford. His extreme republicanism brought him into constant trouble, and his fitting out a band of volunteers to assist the Spaniards against Napoleon, in 1808, allies him with Byron and his quixotic followers. The resemblance to Byron is even more strikingly shown in the poem Geber, published in 1798, a year made famous by the lyrical ballads of Wordsworth and Coleridge. A remarkable change in Lander's life is noticeable in 1821, when, at 46 years of age, after having lost his magnificent estate of Lantani Abbey, in Glamorganshire, and after a stormy experience in Como, he settled down for a time at Fiesole near Florence. To this period of calm after a storm we owe the classical prose works for which he is famous. The calm, like that at the center of the whirlwind, lasted but a short time, and Landor, leaving his family in great anger, returned to Bath, where he lived alone for more than twenty years. Then, in order to escape a libel suit, the choleric old man fled back to Italy. He died at Florence, in 1864. The spirit of his whole life may be inferred from the defiant farewell which he flung to it, I strove with none, for none was word of my strife, nature I loved, and next to nature art, I warm both hands before the fire of life, it sinks, and I am ready to depart, works. Landor's reaction from romanticism is all the more remarkable in view of his early efforts, such as Geber, a wildly romantic poem, which rivals any work of Byron or Shelley in its extravagance. Notwithstanding its occasional beautiful and suggestive lines, the work was not and never has been successful, and the same may be said of all his poetical works. His first collection of poems was published in 1795, his last a full half-century later, in 1846, in the latter volume, The Hellenics, which included some translations of his earlier Latin poems, called Idilia Heroica. One has only to read The Hemadriad and compare it with the lyrics of the first volume, in order to realize the astonishing literary vigor of a man who published two volumes, a half-century apart, without any appreciable diminution of poetical feeling. In all these poems one is impressed by the striking and original figures of speech which Landor uses to emphasize his meaning. It is by his prose works, largely, that Landor has won a place in our literature, partly because of their intrinsic worth, their penetrating thought and severe classic style, and partly because of their profound influence upon the writers of the present age. The most noted of his prose works are his six volumes of Imaginary Conversations 1824-1846. For these conversations Landor brings together, sometimes in groups, sometimes in couples, well-known characters, 
or rather shadows, from the four corners of the earth and from the remotest ages of recorded history. Thus Diogenes talks with Plato, Aesop with a young slave girl in Egypt, Henry VII with Embolin in prison, Dandy with Beatrice, Leofric with Lady Godiva, all these and many others, from Epictetus to Cromwell, are brought together and speak of life and love and death, each from his own viewpoint. Occasionally, as in the meeting of Henry and Embolin, the situation is tense and dramatic, but as a rule the characters simply meet and converse in the same quiet strain which becomes, after much reading, somewhat monotonous. On the other hand, one who reads the imaginary conversations is lifted at once into a calm and noble atmosphere which braces and inspires him, making him forget petty things, like a view from a hilltop. By its combination of lofty thought and severely classic style the book has won, and deserves, a very high place among our literary records. The same criticism applies to Pericles and Aspasia which is a series of imaginary letters, telling the experiences of Aspasia, a young lady from Asia Minor, who visits Athens at the summit of its fame and glory, in the great age of Pericles, this island in our judgment, the best word of reading of all Landor's works, one gets from it not only Landor's classic style, but what is well worthwhile a better picture of Greece in the days of its greatness than can be obtained from many historical volumes. Summary of the Age of Romanticism This period extends from the war with the colonies, following the Declaration of Independence, in 1776, to the accession of Victoria in 1837, both limits being very indefinite, as will be seen by a glance at the chronology following, during the first part of the period especially, England was in a continual turmoil, produced by political and economic agitation at home, and by the long wars that covered two continents and the wide sea between them. The mighty changes resulting from these two causes have given this period the name of the Age of Revolution. The storm center of all the turmoil at home and abroad was the French Revolution, which had a profound influence on the life and literature of all Europe. On the continent the overthrow of Napoleon at Waterloo 1815 apparently checked the progress of liberty, which had started with the French Revolution. But in England the case was reversed. The agitation for popular liberty which at one time threatened a revolution, went steadily forward till it resulted in the final triumph of democracy, in the Reform Bill of 1832, and in a number of exceedingly important reforms, such as the extension of manhood suffrage, the removal of the last and just restrictions against Catholics, the establishment of a national system of schools, followed by a rapid increase in popular education, and the abolition of slavery in all English colonies 1833. To this we must add the changes produced by the discovery of steam and the invention of machinery, which rapidly changed England from an agricultural to a manufacturing nation, introduced the factory system, and caused this period to be known as the Age of Industrial Revolution. The literature of the age is largely poetical in form, and almost entirely romantic in spirit, for, as we have noted, The triumph of democracy in government is generally accompanied by the triumph of romanticism in literature. At first the literature, as shown especially in the early work of Wordsworth, Byron, and Shelley, reflected the turmoil of the age and the wild hopes of an ideal democracy occasioned by the French Revolution. Later the extravagant enthusiasm subsided, and English writers produced so much excellent literature that the age is often called the second creative period the first being the age of Elizabeth. The six chief characteristics of the age are, the prevalence of romantic poetry, 
the creation of the historical novel by Scott, the first appearance of women novelists, such as Mrs. N. Radcliffe, Jane Porter, Maria Edgeworth, and Jane Austen, the development of literary criticism, in the work of Lamb, D. Quincy, Coleridge, and Hazlitt, the practical and economic bent of philosophy, as shown in the work of Malthus, James Mill, and Adam Smith, and the establishment of great literary magazines, like the Edinburgh Review, the Quarterly, Blackwoods, and the Athenaeum. In our study we have noted one the poets of Romanticism, the importance of the lyrical ballads of 1798, the life and work of Wordsworth, Coleridge, Scott, Myron, Shelley, and Keats, to the prose writers, the novels of Scott, the development of literary criticism, the life and work of the essayists, Lamb, De Quincey, Landor, and of the novelist Jane Austen. Selections for reading. Manly's English Poetry and Manly's English Prose Each one volume contain good selections from all authors studied. Ward's English Poets 4 balls. Crike's English Prose Selections 5 balls. Braithwaite's The Book of Georgian Verse. Page's British Poets of the 19th Century. And Garnet's English Prose from Elizabeth to Victoria. May also be used to advantage. Important works. However should be read entirely in one of the inexpensive school editions given below. Full titles and publishers may be found in the general bibliography at the end of this book. Wordsworth. Intimations of Immortality. Tintern Abbey. Best Lyrics and Sonnets. In Selections. Edited by Gowden Athenaeum Press Series. Selections and Short Poems. Edited by Anne Arnold. In Golden Treasury Series. Selections. Also in Every Man's Library. Riverside Literature Series. Castles National Library, etc. Coleridge, Ancient Mariner, edited by Alwar Gibbs, in Standard English Classics, same poem, in Pocket Classics, Eclectic English Classics, etc. Poems, edited by J. Ann Hart, in Athenaeum Press announced, 1909, Selections, Golden Book of Coleridge, in Every Man's Library, Selections from Coleridge and Campbell, in Riverside Literature, Prose Selections Kin and Company. Also Holt, Lectures on Shakespeare, in Every Man's Library, Bond Standard Library, etc. Scott, Lady of the Lake, Marmion, Ivanhoe, The Talisman, Guy Mannering, Quentin Verderward, numerous inexpensive editions of Scott's best poems and novels in Standard English Classics, Pocket Classics, Castles National Library, Eclectic English Classics, Every Man's Library, etc. Thus, Lady of the Lake. Edited by Edwin Ginn, and Ivanhoe. Edited by W.D. Lewis. Both in Standard English Classics, Marmion. Edited by G.B. Acton, and The Talisman. Edited by F. Trudley. In Pocket Classics, etc. Myron. Mazeppa and the Prisoner of Chillon. Edited by S.M. Tucker. In Standard English Classics, Short Poems. Selections from Child Herald, etc. In Canterbury Poets. Riverside Literature. Holt's English Readings. Pocket Classics, etc. Shelley, To a Cloud, To a Skylark, West Wind, Sensitive Plant, Adonias, etc. All in selections from Shelley, edited by Alexander, in Athenaeum Press Series, selections, edited by Woodbury, in Bell's Letra Series, selections, also in Pocket Classics, Heath's English Classics, Golden Treasury Series, etc. Keats, Odon Grecian Urn, Eve of St. Agnes, Hyperion, Lamia, to a Nightingale, etc. In selections from Keats, in Athenaeum Press, selections also in Muses Library, Riverside Literature, 
Golden Treasury Series, etc. Lamb, Essays, Dream Children, Old China, Dissertation on Roast Pig, etc. Edited by Watchope, in Standard English Classics, Various Essays also in Camelot Series, Temple Classics, Every Man's Library, etc. Tales from Shakespeare, in Home and School Library Gin and Company, also in Riverside Literature, Pocket Classics, Golden Treasury, etc. De Quincey, The English Male Coach and Joan of Arc, in Standard English Classics, etc. Confessions of an English Opium Eater, in Temple Classics, Morley's Universal Library, Every Man's Library, Pocket Classics, etc. Selections, edited by M. H. Turk, in Athenaeum Press, Selections, edited by B. Perry Holt, Landor, Selections, edited by W. Clymer, in Athenaeum Press, Heracles and Aspasia, in Camelot Series, Imaginary Conversations, Selected Gin and Company, The Same, Two Vols, in Dutton's Universal Library, Selected Poems, in Canterbury Poets, Selections, Prose and Verse, in Golden Treasury Series, Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, in Every Man's Library, Pocket Classics, etc. Bibliography, History, Textbook, Montgomery, Pages 3-3-357, Cheney, 576-632, General Works, Green, X24, Trail, Gardner, Macaulay, etc. Special Works, Cheney's Industrial and Social History of England, Warner's Landmarks of English Industrial History, Hassel's Making of the British Empire, Macaulay's William Pitt, Trevelyan's Early Life of Charles James Fox, Morley's Edmund Burke, Morris's Age of Queen Anne and the Early Hanoverians, Literature, General Works, Mitchell, Courthope, Garnet and Goss, Tane C. General Bibliography, Special Works, Beers's English Romanticism in the 19th Century, A. Simons's The Romantic Movement in English Poetry, Doughton's The French Revolution and English Literature, Also Studies in Literature, 1789-1877, Hancock's The French Revolution and the English Poets, Herford's The Age of Wordsworth Handbooks of English Literature, Mrs. Oliphant's Literary History of England in the End of the 18th and Beginning of the 19th Centuries, St. Sperbury's History of 19th Century Literature, Masson's Wordsworth, Shelley, Keats, and Other Essays, Poets and Poetry of the 19th Century, Vols, 1-3, Gates's Studies and Appreciations, S. Brooks' Studies in Poetry, Ronsley's Literary Associations of the English Lakes to Vols, Wordsworth, Texts, Globe, Aldine, Cambridge Editions, etc., Poetical and Prose Works, with Dorothy Wordsworth's Journal, edited by Knight, Eversley Edition London and New York, 1896, Letters of the Wordsworth Family, edited by Knight, Three Vols, Ginn and Company, Poetical Selections, edited by Doughton, in Athenaeum Press, various other selections, in Golden Treasury, etc., Prose Selections, edited by Gailey Ginn and Company, Life, Memoirs, Two Vols, by Christopher Wordsworth, by Knight, Three Vols. By Myers English Men of Lepers, by Elizabeth Wordsworth, Early Life A Study of the Prelude by Elegois, translated by J. Matthews, Raleigh's Wordsworth, N.C. Smith's Wordsworth's Literary Criticism, Ronnie's Wordsworth and His Circle, Criticism, Herford's The Age of Wordsworth, Masson's Wordsworth, Shelley, and Keats, Magnus Primer of Wordsworth, Wilson's Helps to the Study of Arnold's Wordsworth, Essays, by Lowell, in Among My Books, by Anne Arnold, in Essays in Criticism, 
by Hutton, in literary essays, by L. Stephen, in hours in a library, and in studies of a biographer, by Badgett, in literary studies, by Hazlitt, in the spirit of the age, by Paper, in appreciations, by De Quincey, in essays on the poets, by Fields, in yesterdays with authors, by Sharp, in studies in poetry and philosophy, see also Nights Through the Wordsworth Country, and Ronsley's Literary Associations of the English Lakes, Coleridge, Texts, Complete Works, edited by Shedd, Seven Vols, New York 1884, Poems, Globe, Aldine, and Cambridge Editions, in Athenaeum Press announced, 1909, Muses Library, Canterbury Poets, etc., Biographia Literaria, in every man's library, the same, in Clarendon Press, Prose Selections, Lectures on Shakespeare, etc. See Selections for Reading, above, Letters, edited by E. H. Coleridge London, 1895, Life, by J. D. Campbell, by Trail English Men of Letters, by Dykes, by Hall Kane Great Writer Series, see also Coleridge's Biographia Literaria, and Lamb's Essay, Christ's Hospital, in Essays of Elia, Criticism, Brandel's Coleridge and the English Romantic Movement, Essays, by Sharp, in Studies in Poetry and Philosophy, by Woodbury, in Makers of Literature, by J. Forster, in Great Teachers, by Doughton, in New Studies, by Swinburne, in Essays and Studies, by Brook, in Theology in the English Poets, by Saints Burberry, in Essays in English Literature, by Lowell in Democracy and Other Essays, by Hazlitt, and by Peter C. Wordsworth, above, see also Beers's English Romanticism, Carlyle's Chapter on Coleridge, in Life of John Sterling, Southey, Texts, Poems, edited by Doughton Macmillan, Poetical Works Crowell, Selections in Canterbury Poets, Life of Nelson, in Every Man's Library, Temple Classics, Morley's Universal Library, etc. Life, by Doughton English Men of Letters, Essays, by L. Stephen, in Studies of a Biographer, by Hazlitt and Saintsbury see above, Scott, Texts, Numerous Good Editions of Novels and Poems, for single works. See selections for reading. Above. Life. By Lockhart. Five balls. Several editions. Best by Pollard. 1900. By Hutton English Men of Letters. By A. Lang. In Literary Lives. By C. D. Young The Great Writers. By Hudson. By Saints Bearbury Famous Scott Series. Criticism. Essays. By Stevenson. Gossip on Romance. In Memories and Portraits. By Sharp. In Aspects of Poetry. By Swinburne. In Studies in Prose and Poetry, by Carlyle. In Miscellaneous Essays, by Hazlitt, Badgett, L. Stephen, Brooke, and Saints Burberry C. Coleridge and Wordsworth. Above, Myron, Texts, Complete Works, Globe, Cambridge Poets, and Oxford Editions, Selections, edited by Anne Arnold. In Golden Treasury see also Selections for Reading. Above, Letters and Journals of Byron, edited by Morin Reliable, Life, by Noel Great Writers, by Nickel English Men of Letters, The Real Lord Byron, by J.C.G. Frizon, Trelawney's Recollections of Shelley and Byron, Criticism, Hunt's Lord Byron and His Contemporaries, Essays, by Morley, Macaulay, Hazlitt, Swinburne, and M. Arnold, Shelley, Texts, Centenary Edition, edited by Woodbury, Formals. Globe and Cambridge Poets Editions, Essays and Letters, in Camelot Series C Selections for Reading, Above, Life, by Simon's English Men of Letters, by Doughton, Two Vols. By Sharp Great Writers, by T.J. Hogg, 
Two balls. By W. M. Rossetti. Criticism. Salt Shelley Primer. Essays. By Gowden. In Transcripts and Studies. By Ann Arnold. Woodbury. Badgett. Forster. L. Stephen. Brooke. D. Quincy. And Hutton C. Coleridge and Wordsworth. Above. Keats. Texts. Complete Works. Edited by Foreman. Four Balls. London. 1883. Cambridge Poets Edition. With Letters. Edited by H. E. Scudder Houghton. Mifflin, Aldine Edition, with Life. Edited by Lord Houghton Macmillan, Selected Poems, with Introduction and Notes by Arlo Bateskin and Company, Poems, also in Every Man's Library, Muse's Library, Golden Treasury, etc., Letters, edited by S. Colvin, in Eversley Edition, Life, by Foreman, Incomplete Works, by Colvin Englishmen of Letters, by W. M. Rossetti Great Writers, by A. E. Hancock. Criticism, H.C. Shelley's Keats and His Circle, Masson's Wordsworth, Shelley, Keats, and Other Essays, Essays, by Anne Arnold, in Essays in Criticism, also in Ward's English Poets, Volume 4, by Hudson, in Studies in Interpretation, by Lowell, in Among My Books, or Literary Essays, Volume 2, by Brooke, D. Quincy, and Swinburne Above, Lamb, Texts, Complete Works and Letters, edited by Evie Lucas. 7 Vols. Putnam, the same. Edited by Aimer. 6 Vols. London. 1883-1888. Essays of Elia. In Standard English Classics. Etc. See Selections for Reading. Dramatic Essays. Edited by B. Matthews Dodd. Need. Specimens of English Dramatic Poets. In Bond's Library. Life. By E.B. Lucas. 2 Vols. By Aimer English Men of Letters. By Barry Cornwall. Telford's Memoirs of Charles Lamb. Criticism, Essays, by D. Quincy, in Biographical Essays, by F. Harrison, in Tennyson, Ruskin, Mill, and Other Literary Estimates, by Pater, and Woodbury C. Wordsworth and Coleridge, above, see also Fitzgerald's Charles Lamb, his friends, his haunts, and his books, D. Quincy, Texts, Collected Writings, edited by Masson, 14 Vols, London, 1889-1891. Confessions of an Opium Eater, etc. See Selections for Reading, Life, by Masson English Men of Letters, Life and Writings, by H. A. Page, Tuvals. Hogs D. Quincy and His Friends, Finley's Personal Recollections of D. Quincy, see also D. Quincy's Autobiographical Sketches, and Confessions, Criticism, Essays, by Saints Burberry, in Essays in English Literature, by Masson, in Wordsworth, Shelley, Keats, and Other Essays, by L. Stephen, in Hours in a Library, see also Mento's Manual of English Prose Literature, Landor, Texts, Works, with Life by Forster, 8 Vols, London, 1876, Works, edited by Crump London, 1897, Letters, etc. edited by Wheeler London, 1897 and 1899, Imaginary Conversations, etc. see Selections for Reading, Life, by Colvin English Men of Letters, by Forster, Criticism, Essays, by D. Quincy, Woodbury, L. Stephen, Saints Burberry, Swinburne, Dowd and C. Above, see also Stedman's Victorian Poets, Jane Austen, Texts, Works, edited by R. B. Johnson Dent, various other editions of novels, Letters, edited by Rule C. Roberts, Life, Austen Lee's Memoir of Jane Austen, Hill's Jane Austen, Her Home and Her Friends, Mittens Jane Austen and Her Times, Life, by Goldwyn Smith, 
My Maiden Famous Women Series, by O.F. Adams, Criticism, Pollock's Jane Austen, Pillars Jane Austen's Novels, A.H.X.S.A. essay on the novel as illustrated by Scott and Miss Austen, H.H. Bonnell Charlotte Bronte, George Eliot, and Jane Austen, essay, by Howells, in Heroines of Fiction, Maria Edgeworth, Texts, Tales and Novels, New Langford Edition, 10 Vols, London, 1893 Various Editions of Novels Dent, etc., The Absentee, and Castle Rackrent, in Morley's Universal Library, Life, by Helen Zimmerman, Memoir, by Hare, Mrs. and Radcliffe, Romances, with Introduction by Scott, in Ballantine's Novelist's Library London, 1824, Various Editions of Udolfo, etc., Saints Bearbury's Tales of Mystery, Volume I. C. Beers's English Romanticism, More, Poetical Works, in Canterbury Poets, Chandos Classics, etc., Selected Poems, in Golden Treasury, Dunning's Thomas More, Poet and Patriot, Symington's Life and Works of More, Essay, by Saints Bearbury, Campbell, Poems, Aldine Edition, Selections, in Golden Treasury, Life, by Hedden, Hazlitt, Texts, Works, edited by Henley, 12 Vols, London, 1902, Selected Essays, in Temple Classics, Camelot Series, etc. Life, by Beryl English Men of Letters, Memoirs, by W.C. Hazlitt, Essays, by Saints Burberry, by L. Stephen, Lee Hunt, Texts, Selected Essays, in Camelot Series, also in Cavendish Library Warren, Stories from the Italian Poets Putnam, Life, by Monkhouse Great Writers, Essays, by Macaulay, by Saints Burberry, by Hazlitt, see also Mrs. Fields' A Shelf of Old Books, Suggestive Questions, Note, in a period like the age of Romanticism, the poems and essays chosen for special study vary so widely that only a few general questions on the selections for reading are attempted. 1. Why is this period of Romanticism 1789-1837 called the Age of Revolution? Give some reasons for the influence of the French Revolution on English literature, and illustrate from poems or essays which you have read. Explain the difference between Classicism and Romanticism. Which of these two types of literature do you prefer? 2. What are the general characteristics of the literature of this period? What two opposing tendencies are illustrated in the novels of Scott and Jane Austen? In the poetry of Byron and Wordsworth? 3. Wordsworth. Tell briefly the story of Wordsworth's life, and name some of his best poems. Why do the lyrical ballads 1798 mark an important literary epic? Read carefully, and make an analysis of the intimations of immortality of Tintern Abbey. Can you explain what political conditions are referred to in Wordsworth's sonnet on Milton? In his French Revolution, does he attempt to paint a picture in his sonnet on Westminster Bridge, or has he some other object in view? What is the central teaching of the Ode to Duty? Compare Wordsworth's two Skylark poems with Shelley's. Make a brief comparison between Wordsworth's sonnets and those of Shakespeare and of Milton, having in mind the thought, the melody, the view of nature, and the imagery of the three poets. Quote from Wordsworth's poems to show his belief that nature is conscious, to show the influence of nature on man, to show his interest in children, his sensitiveness to sounds, to illustrate the chastening influence of sorrow. Make a brief comparison between the characters of Wordsworth's Michael and of Burns's The Cotter's Saturday Night. Compare Wordsworth's point of view and method, in the three poems, to a daisy, with Burns's view, as expressed in his famous lines on the same subject. 
4. Coleridge. What are the general characteristics of Coleridge's life? What explains the profound sympathy for humanity that is reflected in his poems? For what, beside his poems, is he remarkable? Can you quote any passages from his poetry which showed the influence of Wordsworth? What are the characters in The Ancient Mariner? In what respect is this poem romantic? Give your own reasons for its popularity. Does the thought or the style of this poem impress you? If you have read any of the lectures on Shakespeare, explain why Coleridge's work is called Romantic Criticism. 5. Scott. Tell the story of Scott's life, and name his chief poems and novels. Do you recall any passage from his poetry which suggests his own heroism? Why was he called the Wizard of the North? What is the general character of his poetry? Compare Marmion with one of the old ballads, having in mind the characters, the dramatic interest of the story, and the style of writing. In what sense is he the creator of the historical novel? Upon what does he depend to hold the reader's attention? Compare him, in this respect, with Jane Austen. Which of his characters impress you as being the most lifelike? Name any novels of the present day which copy Scott or show his influence. Read Ivanhoe and the Lady of the Lake, make a brief analysis of each work, having in mind the style, the plot, the dramatic interest, the use of adventure, and the truth to nature of the different characters. 6. Byron. Why is Byron called the revolutionary poet? Illustrate, if possible, from his poetry. What is the general character of his work? In what kind of poetry does he excel? Quote from Child Herald to illustrate your opinion. Describe the typical Byronic hero. Can you explain his great popularity at first, and his subsequent loss of influence? Why is he still popular on the continent? Do you find more of thought or of emotion in his poetry? Compare him, in this respect, with Shelley, with Wordsworth, which is the more brilliant writer, Byron or Wordsworth? which has the more humor, which has the healthier mind, which has the higher ideal of poetry, which is the more inspiring and helpful. Is it fair to say that Byron's quality is power, not charm? 7. Shelley. What are the chief characteristics of Shelley's poetry? Is it most remarkable for its thought, form, or imagery? What poems show the influence of the French Revolution? What subjects are considered in lines written among the Euganian hills? What does Shelley try to teach in The Sensitive Plant? Compare Shelley's view of nature, as reflected in The Cloud or The West Wind, with Wordsworth's view, as reflected in The Prelude, Tintern Abbey, Daffodils, etc. To what class of poems does Adonis belong? What is the subject of the poem? Name others of the same class. How does Shelley describe himself in this poem? Compare Shelley's Adonis and Milton's Lycidas with regard to the view of life after death as X.